Welcome to the podcast of Odessa First Assembly. I'm Pastor Todd Starnes. This week we have started a new series titled, No Offense, But. I believe this is a timely look in the scripture about forgiveness towards one another. This year we are focusing on growing people change. The more we grow in Christ, the more our heart, mind, and actions change. If you would like more information about us, please go to odessafirst.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on YouTube. I hope that this message encourages you. God bless you. You know, just some things this week, and I don't know if I'll preach in this direction or not at some point in the next couple of weeks, but, you know, I was thinking about offense and just relationships and all those things, and, you know, and it just kind of just dawned on me about... uh, you know, way back in, in Genesis, way back in the, in the um, Old Testament, there were scripturally, I mean, there, there could be more. We don't know, but we know there are at least four people on the planet, and it was Adam and Eve, and it was Cain and Abel. And even with four people on the planet, there was still relational issues. I mean, one brother even ended up killing the other one. I mean, we are going to contend with this and deal with this, and it'll be something that happens your and my entire life. And um, I was just, you know, of course, thinking, reminiscing, thinking about memories, situations, and there was so much I wish I knew 20 years ago that I knew now. I wish there was some wiring differences that I had 20 years ago that, you know, that I have now that I had 20 years ago. But sometimes life is a teacher, and sometimes life can be a a brutal teacher. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, I believe something very firmly. If we get a hold of it, there are just some foundational things that we see in Scripture. And if we get those things, what I believe, it's a pathway to revival. I really do. I believe it's a pathway of heaven opening up its windows and pouring out the Spirit of God and revival. I really do. And I think our relationships with one another is part of that dynamic, is how we really treat one another, how we really stand behaviorally, scripturally. Are you with me this morning? And so as we look, as, you know, this thing about, I know it was a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking, I mean, it feel, I'd say two weeks ago feels like a month for me. But two weeks ago, just, to, just really quick, we talked about just having that offense, that, that unforgiveness, that anger, that bitterness, having those things in our life, what it really does, it just doesn't only hurt us, it hurts the body. It just doesn't hurt the body, but it hurts us because we're all the body. A scripture I didn't share, but I do want to share this morning is 1 Corinthians. It'll be on the screen. It's in your notes if you have your notes or, you know, as always, uh, version, the Bible app, the notes are there. But 1 Corinthians 12, it tells us the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it. Verse 25, and there may be no division in the body. 
and that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We all make this body the body of Christ. The other the point number two, two a couple of weeks ago was, so everybody else is an idiot. And I know that's uh, maybe a strong statement for some, but the reality is, is that we tend to judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. If I don't need to be right, and this is where the point I really drove home, that I, and I, I, I want you to remember this. You're going to hear this several times, even through the next few weeks. If I don't need to be right, then I don't have to reshape the reality to make me right. You can be 100% right and 100% wrong. You can be 100% right, but the way you act upon it, it can make you 100% wrong. And the third thing was, of course, to drop the stone. To drop the stone. He who doesn't have any sin cast the first stone. And so we're going to pick up again in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25. We're going to read this passage once again. It says this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. One of, a, of another, and that's why I shared the first Corinthian scripture. Be angry and do not sin. And I, I may hit on this a little more in the weeks to come. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure, but I, I just want to remind you. I, I know scripture right here says be angry and do not sin, but I, I got to really remind you something. When Jesus overturned the tables, that's kind of a lot of people's. Uh, 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 foundation that it's okay to be angry listen to me that was the exception not the rule be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil let the thief steal no longer but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that they may have something to share with anyone in need verse 29 let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And I want to remind you, one of the definitions of grace, I know a lot of us understand about God's saving grace and that, that work of renewing in our life, but grace also has a meaning that points to God's strength. So think about this for a moment, that you may give God's strength to those, that you're going to speak life into people's, in, in other people, into their hearts and spirits to give them strength. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you along with malice. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You know, I've come to believe that there are some questions that we really need to ask ourselves and maybe in conversation with one another, but there is something that kind of hinges about this whole thing of, of how we treat one another, of offense, of anger, of, of all these things listed. How do I see myself? When I look in the mirror, who do I see? 
How do I see myself? Do I, do I see myself as damaged and, and wounded or do I see myself as God's child? How do I see others? Do I see others as idiots and morons or do I see others as God's creation, as his masterpiece, as it says in Ephesians 2.10? What, are, what, what expectations do I have on myself? What are the expectations that I have on others? But if we get any of those answers wrong, this is, this is a, a two points from John Bevere in his book, The Bait of Satan, but I think it, it, it's a really true, offended people fit in two categories. One, those who have been treated unjustly. There are plenty of times in life where many of us have been treated unjustly, that we were treated unjustly on purpose. Some of us had to go through things and face things that nobody should have to go through and face. The second thing is, is those who believe they have been treated unjustly. And this is really, if I want to, you know, I know a lot of us have gone through a lot of things, but in actuality, number two is where most of us live. Those who believe they have been treated unjustly. And scripture lays out the fruit of offense. And we read it right here in our text, verse 31 of Ephesians 4. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, and malice. Getting rid of all these things, bitterness. The NLT says it this way. I, like, I kind of like how the NLT says it. It says get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Notice what it did not say. It did not say be arrogant about your moral superiority. It did not say be critical of everyone who thinks differently from you. It did not say be harsh because you're dealing with idiots. I'll look right at my... Don't be harsh because you're dealing with... So bitterness is the first thing at list. But, and I left the fill in the blanks pretty simple on this because I didn't want you to miss this. But I kind of want to look more just, to, just simply at the definitions of some of these words and what they mean. Bitterness, a spirit that refuses reconciliation. You know that, and I, and I, let me just gently say, I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm not talking about Angela. I'm talking about me, and I'm talking about you. I know so many times we hear sermons, and we're like, oh, boy, so-and-so, man, they need to hear that. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you. Are you with me this morning? So a spirit that refuses reconciliation, think about this. Somebody, when, somebody, when, when a situation explodes or happens, and there's an attempt of reconciliation, and that reconciliation is refused, that is the fruit of bitterness. Outbursts, rage, outbursts of anger. Rage is the next one scripture lists. Outbursts of anger or quick temper for selfish reasons. This could mean a continual or uncontrolled behavior. I, man, you know, I was probably, maybe it was testosterone, maybe for whatever reason it was, but when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I dealt with a lot of rage. And, re and really, I didn't have any reason to, but I remember I learned my lesson the hard way. I was 18 years old, I was in my own apartment, and um, I got mad over something, 
and I punched the wall a few times. There was a few holes in my apartment wall. And the lesson I learned was, you don't get your deposit back if there's holes in the wall. And I thought, how stupid is it for something so stupid to cost me money? But I'm a little hard-headed. And so one time I was dating this girl. It was, it was the first girl I ever dated as a believer. And we got in a fight. And I get in my truck, and I get that rage, and I, I punch my windshield right in front of me, right in front of the, right in front of the steering wheel. And uh, I punch it hard enough that my, it, didn't, it shattered my windshield, and I had an imprint of my fist on the other side of the windshield to give you perspective how hard I hit it. I broke three knuckles. Rage never pays, man. You, you always pay. And I, I, was, you know, I was on my own. I mean, I was hardly making any money. And, and I remember I had, to, I had to get my truck inspected, and I was hoping they didn't pass it. So I had to call my sister. I'm like, sis, uh, I need to replace my windshield. What happened? I'm not telling you. <laughs> the third thing is anger, which is usually how you know, rage is displayed, but anger, it's a continuous attitude of hatred that, remind, that remains bottled up within. It's, it's what we keep bottled up. But listen, and, well, I, I'm going to keep going forward. Um, it could be un, that boiling under the surface where it could burst out into rage. But I'm going to tell you, if you harbor anger, it will destroy the harmony in your home. It will destroy the harmony in your church. It will, it will destroy the harmony in your workplace. See, the Bible says in James 1.19, I know, like I said, remember, you know, the, what Jesus did was the exception to the rule. We shared this scripture a couple of weeks ago. I want to share it again, James 1, 19 and 20. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and to speak your mind. Oh, we're not on that verse. Do I, do I not have that verse in there? I think it's the next slide. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. And then we see clamor. I, I, you know, when I saw the word clamor, I was thinking more like, you know, clatter and, you know, the Christmas story, whatever. Um, but a more accurate definition is brawling. Loud assertions of angry people determined to make their grievances known. No offense, Karen, but that's our Karens and our Kens. No offense, Ken, either. I, I almost titled my sermon, you know, Dealing with Kens and Karens. Slander, destroying another person's good reputation by lying, gossiping, spreading rumors. Malice is really just that evilness in, in the heart. So what's the principle? Offense obscures our vision. Offense obscures our vision. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, how, how do I relate this? I'll be right back. Well, the scripture that came to mind is in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to need a volunteer. All right, yeah, and the glasses come on up. Yeah. 
You may wish you didn't do this. But. So Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 3. You're gonna, this is going to be familiar. Yeah, yeah, you're good right there. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice a log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that, I mean, you understand what that's saying, right? Let me fix you. <laughs> of your brother, when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so what the scripture is telling us, this is how when offense obscures our vision of how we're living life is when we have that log in our eye. Now see, this does two things. One is, I can't see. The other thing is, in the relationships around me, how dare you treat me like that? You know what's wrong with you? Let They're sitting about so-and-so down the street or the next door neighbor with your property line. This is about us, right? Thank you. Let me, you know, I, I want to illustrate this a little bit more. I don't need a volunteer for this, but. You see, when we deal with those things, when we have bitterness, or rage, or anger. You know what, you've heard me say it so many times that we filter things through these lenses that we have, and some of them are hurts that we have been through, some of it's, it's, it's damage that we've been through, some of it's some difficult things in life, but sometimes it's that offense and bitterness. And, and so this is the way we're looking through things in life. Offense obscures our vision. And I, you know, reading this book, you know, I told you a lot of this, some of this is based on the unoffendable book. You know, it's something I've heard so much. It's nothing new I read in this book, but I've heard it so often in ministry and, and different relationships is to lower our expectations of people. And I, I can't speak for anybody else, but I've always had a very difficult time with that. Because for some reason, I've always, I, maybe, you know, and I was really, I was like, why have I been that way? Why have I, why, every time I hear that statement, lower your expectations of people, why does that bother me so much? Why, why do I have a hard time in processing that statement? And, and it was like, man, it's like four chapters in this book. This guy's, I mean, it's story after story about lowering, and I'm, I'm reading this book, and I'm like, I'm getting mad. I'm like, quit telling me to lower my expectations of people. And I think when I came to, I don't know if it was an epiphany or whatever it was, but we don't have to treat people according to our expectations. See, somewhere maybe I was thinking that if I had high expectations of people, I would treat them with more honor or more respect. But I'm going to tell you, you can lower your expectations of people, but you can still overflow with honor. 
You can lower your expectations of people and still overflow with respect. You can lower your expectations of people and still give them the benefit of the doubt. You can lower your expectations of people but still give grace. You can lower your expectations of people and still forgive. And if we do lower our expectations, it puts you in that place to live life unoffendable. I mean, what is our response? First Peter 3.9 tells us, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with blessing. That is what God has called you to do. And I know I've shared on this before, but the reality is so many of us were and, and, and probably rightfully so, you know, we want to be in the will of God. We want to fulfill God's calling for our life. Would, would you agree with me? And so we seek God. We pray, God, what is, your, what is that that you want me to do? And yet, right here in Scripture, one of the things that is the will of God for you, that is God's calling to you, is to be a blessing to those that hurt you. You don't have to even ask God, God, do you want me to be nice to somebody that hurts my feelings? You don't even have to pray about it because he tells us in black and white. Are you with me this morning? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as it fits the occasion that may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I, um, any marital counseling that I've ever done, ever do, I do emphasize this passage. I really believe, whether it's in a marriage or just any relationship, that, I mean, this passage, these verses are so critical, but it tells us, let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths except for that that benefits others in the right occasion and gives God strength, gives them grace. Those that hear it are empowered by what you say. It doesn't say that you demean others by what you say. It says that you strengthen others by, remember we're not returning insult for insult, railing for railing, but with blessing so that we may also inherit a blessing because that's God's calling for our life. And so, you know, me and Angela, I, and it was not something I wanted to do, but, you know, I, if you, I, you know, long story short, mine, you know, mine and Angela's relationship took off like a rocket. We would have probably got married several months before we actually did. We even, even talked about eloping. And uh, our first date was uh, the, the uh, Saturday after Valentine's Day. We get married in, in September. We wanted to get married in July, but my father-in-law said, absolutely not. I was like, let's, let's just go to Mexico. Let's go to New Mexico. Let's go. But Angela, she was dead set. She's like, if we're, if we're going to get married, then we're doing premarital counseling. I'm like, I'll, whatever. I'll do it. And I, I was not... You know, I was a participant. But I gotta tell you, I'm I'm so glad that we had that foundation. We had a phenomenal premarital counselor, and we did it all at camp, at youth camp. 
and between things going on. It was all kind of crammed in. But from that, we came out with our rules of engagement. We came out with our rules of engagement. We're like, okay, this is going to be the foundation because the reality is this. If you've been married or are married, you know that disagreements are going to happen. And sometimes those disagreements can become very hurtful. But this is just about, this can be with any relationship. And so here's, and I've heard other preachers use this. I've heard this said so many times. But I want to give you some of our rules of engagement. First one is this, never raise your voice. Never raise your voice. Remember, let no corrupting communication come out of our mouth. What are we going to do? We are not going to raise our voice. I come from a, I don't, you know, my mom and dad aren't this way. I don't know why me and my sister are, but me and my, one of my sisters are loud. And Angela, I mean, the first part of our marriage, well, even still, she's like, if this is vibrating, you're not whispering. I'm like, I am too whispering. No, you're not. You can feel it, right? This cannot move if you're whispering. Oh, in a restaurant, touch. But never raise your voice. There, I mean, the, the moment you come to yelling is the moment you've lost control. The second thing is this, is never get historical. Never get historical. Listen to me, if you're in the room, and for whatever reasons, right now, your marriage or a relationship is in 911 mode, I'm going to tell you something right now. Let the water go under the bridge. You have to come, if there is ever going to be healing, you've got to come to the point, it's like, okay, today we start new. Now, does it fix everything? Absolutely not. At, at some point in time, you're going to have to work on the issues that got you at that place, but you really have to come to the place where you start fresh. Don't get historical. The way we get historical is that it really leads to the next one, is never say never and always. I mean, when me and Angela get in a fight, I don't say, you know, I remember in 1999, you. And ever since that moment, you always. That is rarely, 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 rarely. To say somebody never and always is really never the case, it's not true. The other thing was this, was never threaten divorce. You know, we asked uh, Sister Black one time, I don't know if she may remember this, but it was, it was a few years ago, and uh, her and Brother Black had celebrated an anniversary, and I think Angela even is the one that asked her, and said, how, how do you stay married for so long? And I think she simply, is that right? she simply said, stay married. Stay married. Never threaten divorce. And the last thing is this, never quote your pastor during a fight. <laughs> Don't do that. Well, PT said. <laughs> it was years ago, I was, uh, when it was our first church, I was discipling this young man, he was a teenager. And um, we met uh, several mornings a week and also Sunday morning. And one morning we're meeting and he's like, PT, man. You know, he, he's like, 
I'm just letting him express himself. I'm giving no input. I'm just being a sounding board. We're just walking our way through this. And he says, I really don't think I'm supposed to be dating this girl. And I'm like, well, what? I mean, is this something God's doing in you? What do you think? And he's starting to walk him through that. And so we pray, and really nothing else or more is said. And then the next thing I know, his girlfriend, an entire family, is ticked at me. I'm like, what, ha- what happened? What did I do? And a few days later, I find out he went to her that morning, went right out of my office on a Sunday morning, and walked over to her and said, PT said I had to break up with you. <laughs> Don't quote your pastor, okay? Uh, that, that wasn't even the quote I said to him, but anyway. And so what's the principle? Think about this. In this passage, we see something very interesting. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. When we talk in a way, in a manner that carries this bitterness and this malice and this slander and this anger, you know what we're doing? We're grieving the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because just like Ephesians 2.10 says about you, that you were created as God's masterpiece, so is the person that you're in conflict with. So is the person you're in conflict with. I was reading this, this week, you know, I, it's a book I read years ago, and for everybody, I picked it up started reading it again, and it really, it, something in it just kind of leapt out, and it probably has to do with this, but I just want to read, it's, the book is by um, Smith Wigglesworth, and the book is Ever Increasing Faith, but he, he wrote this about an a, a encounter. I realize that God can never bless us on the lines of being hard-hearted, critical, or unforgiving. This will hinder faith quicker than anything. I remember being in a meeting where there was some people tearing for the baptism, talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, seeking for cleansing. For the moment a person is cleansed, the Spirit will fall. There was one man with his eyes red from weeping bitterly. He has said to me, I shall have to leave. It's no good my staying without without changing things. I've written a letter to my brother-in-law and filled it with hard words. And this thing must be straightened out. He went home and told his wife. His wife wife says, I'm going to write, he tells his wife, I'm going to write a letter to your brother and ask him to forgive me for writing the way that I did. She says, you fool. He says, never mind. This is between God and me. And it's got to be cleared up. So he wrote the letter. And he came again to these meetings. And immediately, God filled him with the Spirit. And this is what Smith Ward says. I believe there are a great many people who would be healed, but they are harboring things in their hearts that are a blight. Let these things go. Forgive, and the Lord will forgive you. There are many good people, people that mean well, but they have no power to do anything for God. There is just some little thing that came up in their heart years ago, and their faith has been paralyzed since. Bring everything to light. God will sweep it away if you'll let him. Let the precious blood of Christ cleanse you from all sin, and if you will but believe, God will meet you and bring you into your lives the sunshine of his love. 
The Bible also says it this way, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. But notice it also says, whatever is true. Therefore, having put away falsehood, verse 25 says, remember? And then it gets to this that I know we've heard so many times in so many ways. But in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, is this helping anybody? Is this so? Okay. Verse 26 and 27, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. <laughs> you know, because of that counseling, there were so many times. I mean, we were married for a little while before we like had our first big blow-up fight, me and Angela. And um, she may remember, but I, you know, I don't keep records of wrongs, but uh, over what that fight was over. Um, but it was, I guess for us, it was a bad one. I mean, it really was. That, I really do not have a clue what it was over. But I remember just saying, I'm done. I, and, and so I walk, and Angela, I mean, she gets hysterical. And I mean, I'm just like out on the front porch, and I can hear her crying. I mean, I wasn't going anywhere. I just had to get out for a minute. And I'm, you know, out on the front porch, and I come back in. And I mean, she really interpreted that as like, I'm done. We're over. We're I'm like, no, not at all. But I remember, you know, those first few years, there were some nights. It's like. I mean, she, it was really her. It, it was not me. It was really her. She's like, we're not going to sleep until this thing's resolved. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. Let me go to sleep. It's four in the morning. I got to get up at six. It's all my fault. <laughs> you see, being offended is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. And, I, you know, I talked about it. You know, Jimmy Evans, he's, he's a leader of marriage today, the founder of the EXO Conference. And again, I know some of this emphasis is marriage, but it's not just about marriage. But anyway, Jimmy Evans, I, I quoted this a couple of weeks ago, says that when we go to bed angry and we don't come to a resolution, then what happens is, is Satan becomes our counselor. And I don't know about you, but the last person I want counseling me is the father of lies. And the creator of deception. To allow that anger, that bitterness, that offense, I mean, to allow those things to be nurtured by the devil. I mean, really? Do we really want to live life that way? To allow that anger, bitterness, and offense to be nurtured. The Ephesians 4.27, it gives, you know, it gives this opportunity. What does opportunity in Ephesians 4.27 mean? Opportunity in Ephesians 4.27 means that you're giving room in your home to, for the devil to live. I mean, we're talking about literal. I mean, what is it saying? That opportunity, what is, in the Greek, what is it telling us? What it's saying is you have created a place in your heart for the devil to live. Come on, somebody. Is that not sobering? I don't want <laughs> to live life that way. I don't want to live life that way. The emotional, spiritual, unhealthy will take this verse. And see, here's the thing. Here's what happens so many times. 
is that when we have these filters, you know, that offense obscures our vision, what happens is, is that, that those things that we're filtering things through, listen to this, listen to me, become our interpreters of what we say. If, when, we, when we're seeing through that offense and bitterness and unforgiveness and when we talk to people and especially when the fire is lit and there's a tense situation, those same aspects become the filter in which we speak through. The root has to be dealt with. The root truly has to be dealt with. And if me and Angela, we get in a fight and I really take that attitude and I'm just going to word vomit all over her because, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying I'm, we're going to resolve this, how we're going to resolve it. That's not the right way either. The issue is not her. The issue is my heart. Are you hearing me this morning? When, we, when the lenses that are, I've got static. We only see through the colors, but the lenses become our interpreters. See, the Bible says, be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down your anger, and give no opportunity by the devil. So how do we do that? It's the way that Ephesians wraps this passage up so beautifully for us. It's verse 32. Be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And it gives us the example, as God and Christ forgave you. What have you been forgiven of? And yet God accepts you. He loves you. I mean, think about it, really. Uh, I was thinking about Jesus on the cross. I mean, you know, I know some of us have been dealt a terrible hand and we've gone through things. They're just unimaginable. And some of us are going through things or been through things that we believed it was, you know, intentional and unimaginable or whatever. But, I mean, really think about it. The example, Christ's example on the cross, an innocent man nailed there to that tree, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, think, I mean really think about that example. He's there, a crown of thorns, stripped naked, hands and feet nailed to that cross, with the power to call on all of heaven to bring God's retribution. But what does he choose to do? Father, forgive them. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as in God, as God in Christ forgave you. 
If there is a verse to memorize, to have on your mirror, to have on your refrigerator, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as in Christ God forgave you. C.S. Lewis said this, and I close with this. Getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move forward. Would you stand with me this morning? Once again, thank you for joining us for our podcast. It is our hope and our prayer that it was a blessing to you. If you want more information about us, remember, you can go to odessafirst.com. You can watch services there. You can give online there. You can also go to any of our social media platforms. But it is my prayer that through this series that God does a deep work in us all. As Scripture tells us, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless you.